Hey, it's crowdfunding season here at Canada Land, and that means before today's episode, we'd like to take a few minutes to talk to you, our listeners, about why we hope you'll consider helping us make this show. And for those of you who don't know the team, I'm Archie Mann. I'm Jordan Gornish. And I'm Noor Azriye. And we're the folks who bring you Commons. This past year was a big one for Commons, and I'd love to take a minute to look back before we talk about what's coming next for us. The last time you heard from me was in the finale of our season of War, which is about Canada's role in the war in Afghanistan. And I'm proud of that season. I think, honestly, it was a remarkable achievement for this show, but also for Canadian media, because this show couldn't and honestly doesn't exist anywhere else. So, Jordan, what do you think about our work last year? I agree with you. Like, there was a period in time when it felt like everybody was talking about Afghanistan. Like, it was really shortly after, like, the fall of Kabul. And then it kind of fell out of the news cycle. Like, we know the news cycle in Canada, like, it's relentless. And there's there's always going to be something else to talk about. But we felt like it was really important that there would be one place for Canadians to go to get sort of, like, a retrospective analysis. One thing that I was really heartened by were all of the messages that we got from Afghans from former soldiers, from current members in the Canadian Armed Forces, from generals, including the first commander of Canadian forces in Afghanistan, who was an avid listener to the show, and who emailed us to tell us that he learned new things about the time when he was actually deployed in Afghanistan overseeing Canadian troops and some of what was going on. I mean, that is one of the biggest compliments that I think you can get as a journalist, is that we're bringing new information, important information, to people who were directly even involved in that. And I think the reason that we're able to do that is because we have the luxury because of the support that our listeners provide. I mean, I worked a lot on chasing people, and everybody was willing and eager to talk. They would recommend people for us to talk to. And I think that what we did well was that we handled the conversation with care, that we were intentional. And I think going forward, that can only get better with more and more of your support. Arshi, what are you looking forward to? I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to our upcoming season, which obviously you're going to be listening to because it's literally coming up after this <laughs> short message. Uh, but it's about monopolies and about corporate concentration and about cartels and about the way that essentially massive corporate power affects everyday people in Canada. We're really going to be tackling issues that matter to Canadians day to day. We're talking about why you have to pay more for your groceries, why you have to pay more for your Internet. And who the hell are the people behind all of this decision making? I mean, I think all Canadians kind of are united by at least one thing. And it's hating, hating how much we have to pay for our cell phone bills. Right now, it's hating how much we have to pay at the grocery store. We're also going to dig into some places where I don't think people realize monopolistic practices are affecting them. I mean, what are you looking forward to, Jordan, with this upcoming season? We've done a little bit more field reporting, so you're going to be hearing a lot more on the ground sound, which is something I'm excited about. You'll be hearing more from myself and from Noor, and uh, we're also going to be releasing episodes weekly, and that's something I'm excited about. You know, I think this season is a perfect illustration of why it's important to support places like Canada Land, because guess what? A lot of the companies that we're going to be reporting about, they literally own the rest of the news. No one else is going to be able to do this kind of work. Just 
just like when it came to Afghanistan. And I think a big reason for that is because these monopolistic organizations, these monopolistic companies help shape the news because they literally own so much of it. Like mic drop right there. If you value this podcast, please support us. Click the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. Who's the most trustworthy here? Who's going to be the banker? Okay, Nora. it's me. I'm bad at math, guys. That's why I did journalism. So <laughs> bear with me. It's been a long time since I played Monopoly. Same. Earlier this month, we here at Team Commons decided to engage in one of the most dangerous journalistic assignments that we've ever attempted. Friendships are on the line. Jordan, Noor, and I decided to play a game of Monopoly. See, this is the thing about Monopoly. It breaks relationships. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kill this podcast before it even starts. (laughs) But this isn't just a normal game of Monopoly. We got our hands on a very special limited edition. This is Westinopoly, named for the Weston Corporation, which owns Loblaws, Weston Foods, No Frills, Shoppers Drug Mart, Superstore, President's Choice, and a whole host of other companies. Jordan, maybe you just want to tell us, like, how did how did you come across this game? Uh, well, I'm going to give away my uh, journalism trade secrets, but while Googling combinations <laughs> of the words Weston and Monopoly, this board game came up. And the reason that Jordan was doing all of that Googling is because that's what we're going to be talking about on this next season of Commons. Monopolies, oligopolies, cartels, corporate concentration, and all the different ways that these megacorps affect the lives and livelihoods of Canadians. I'm so excited. All right. Roll to see who goes first. And then yes. Just go clockwise from there. Sounds yes. Okay. Like most custom Monopoly boards, Westinopoly has its own spin on the game. Each of the properties were locations of major Weston operations. And instead of houses and hotels, players can build bakeries and plants. And you can't be sent to jail. If you get unlucky, you'll be shipped off to safety training. No! Oh, now who's wow. safety training? Gotta go do some... So once we brushed up on the rules, it was time to pick our pieces. Here's what we got. We got a loaf of bread, a sack of flour, a baguette... What those is two, that? Is that a bagel or two donuts? I think that's a bagel. Yeah. We got a truck. Okay, I'm going to go with bagel. And get started. Okay. Off my bagel goes seven spots. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, Monopoly the game has some pretty interesting origins. The first editions were called the Landlord's Game and were meant to show how our current economic system leaves a small number of people with all the wealth and everyone else a loser. And there was a sister game called Prosperity where everyone could win, but of course, where's the fun in that? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Does anyone own Sudbury? I yes. Do. Yeah, and the rent's $20. $20, all right, fine. And we here at Commons thought that this was a perfect metaphor for our upcoming season. Because right now, Canadians are being squeezed at every end. When it comes to cell phone bills, grocery bills, housing, entertainment, we're all paying more than ever before. And behind all of that, there's a small number of companies that dominate their industries, hold massive sway over our politics, and are reaping enormous profits. So in this season, we're going to be asking, is there something special about Canada that leads to all of these monopolies and oligopolies? 
How do they affect our lives? And can Canadians do anything to take back control? But in the meantime, let's get back to the game. Noor and I, we're not doing well. That's all your money. Are you sure you want to do this? I'm so poor. I'm just a poor boy. (laughs) Jordan took an early lead and immediately, like really scary fast, the power went to her head. Jordan, be kind. <laughs> Look, be it's not kind. its not me, it's the system. Good <laughs> <laughs> But that was not to last. After a few lucky rolls and a handful of shrewd maneuvers on my part, I moved to the top. One more turn, and then shit's going down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Eastern. Hershey's on a roll. And look, I'm not proud of what happened next, but I think it's safe to say that I immediately became a villain and looked to utterly crush my rivals. Just look at my big stack of money. (laughs) Are you happy that you're shutting down all these businesses? I am, actually, because soon I will own the whole board. (laughs) You're vile. Now that I'm on top, I really think this is a great game. Things started to get heated, tensions were clearly at a boil, so I decided it might be better if we took a little break, lowered the temperature, and I'd go out and buy everyone some snacks. But I'd already dug myself into a little hole with all of my colleagues, and so I wanted to make sure I didn't make things worse by supporting the actual monopolists out in the real world. So I brought someone along to help me out. Vas Bednar is the executive director of the Master of Public Policy and Digital Society program at McMaster University, the author of the Regs to Riches newsletter, and one of Canada's foremost commentators on competition issues. Uh, Anyways, thank you for coming with me, Vas. Thanks for having me as your secret shopper. (laughs) That's right. I think you're going to be very helpful on this. (laughs) Okay, so the grocery store isn't too far from here. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have everything we need, just because it is kind of giant. It's in the old maple leaf gardens where the leaves used to play. Yeah. And now half of it's a gym and half of it's a grocery store. We were headed to a Loblaws, and it turns out I screwed up right from the get-go. If my goal was to avoid monopolies or oligopolies, well, Loblaws was a poor choice. Yeah, I think Loblaw is a really fascinating Canadian company to think about, mostly because we think of it as a grocer first. So from my perspective, the question is whether it's Canada's Amazon or Alibaba. It's got an online third-party marketplace where it competes directly with the parties that the suppliers that come there. It sells ads on that marketplace. The PC Optimum program, which merged with Shoppers Drug Mart in, in 2014 that they purchased, almost half of Canadians are active users of that. 15 million people. 15 which, million? Yeah. And that's from their annual report last year. So. This is a company that understands what we eat, what we get at the pharmacy. If we're with PC Financial, every single purchase that we're making, I just think we don't appreciate the power of the company to leverage data-driven insights and make competitive decisions that hurt independent businesses. That's what I care about. All right, well, I think it's probably about time to go venture inside this mix of Amazon and Alibaba and get us some snacks. The heart of the beast. That's right. (laughs) Once we entered the Loblaws, it was hard not to be impressed. It's practically a grocery cathedral. 
This is like legitimately a pretty impressive looking grocery store. Absolutely. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's kind of marvelous. And despite her critiques of Loblaws, Vass really does have a soft spot for the company. Vass, didn't you say that you had your wedding photos taken at a Loblaws? <laughs> no, my engagement photos. <laughs> so yes, I did some of my engagement photos at the Loblaw on Lansdowne because the woman said to me, pick locations that are meaningful to you both that you spend time. And at the time, we actually would go grocery shopping together because it was the before time and that was like one of the things we could do together. That has since changed, but I remember feeling it got serious with my husband when we merged our PC Optimum points. I was like, this is getting serious. We're a family now. <laughs> and then it was time to get shopping. I figured we should start with something mildly healthy before we hit the junk food. But I was a little overwhelmed. I mean, there's a lot of produce here. My God. Like, now I'm mostly shopping at just like the little corner Portuguese place in my neighborhood. Yeah, so you're I'm in almost... a good neighborhood for that. No, I yeah. haven't been here in a very long time and it's startling. I saw some blueberries and they did look pretty good. But Vass had some bad news for me. Turns out that the blueberry industry has been accused of some pretty anti-competitive behavior. Actually, blueberries are a super interesting mini story in oh. Canada. There's a company out east called Oxford, and I believe they have the trademark on wild blueberries, capital W, capital B. So you can't call anything, nobody else can call something wild blueberries? I'm not sure what happens and how hard they go after you if you do. But there has been a complaint made years ago to the Competition Bureau uh, accusing them of potentially abusing the market power that they have. I decided to get the blueberries anyways. Okay, what else? We probably need some cheese, which I think is... Definitely need cheese. Over here, yeah. I don't know, what do you like? I feel like you probably have better taste in cheeses than I do. What do I like? I like competition and good prices. <laughs> I like a, a Borson because it's like super spreadable and super yummy. Okay. I think we should go for that. Yeah. And while I grabbed the cheese, Bass pointed out that dairy is probably one of the best known examples of a legal cartel in Canada. Canada is somewhat infamous for the supply management regimes that dictate the dairy industry. And often when people call for more competition, they go to say we should end supply management completely. But you know what? I wasn't going to let a little thing like supply management get in the way of some delicious cheese. But now that was two foods, both of which were tainted by monopolistic practices, I just had to go with something more simple. Okay, some bread. Bread is, I mean, this is the most straightforward of things, right? Literally what peasants used to eat. Like there's, this is probably, this is definitely fun. Seems... Like there's no issues <laughs> around bread. Please don't tell me. Well, not anymore, but you know that there have been in yeah, Canada. Yeah, I was baiting you a little. Yeah. This is another, this is another heritage moment for us, right? Between 14 and 16 years of colluding to fix the price of bread, and three of the seven or, or more companies that were accused of this actually agreed to cooperate with the Competition Bureau's investigation in exchange for immunity. So what disappoints people the most, I think, is not just that we learned that people had been ripped off with this staple, kind of tried and true staple in a basket of goods, whether it's a charcuterie board or your daily sandwich, it's that there were no repercussions. And what Loblaw offered people was a $25 
gift card that you could sign up for. You know what? I remember that gift card and I never actually collected it one? and now I feel ripped off. I don't think I knew how to get one. I would have taken optimum points. <laughs> that feels like a currency for me. Move Absolutely. over crypto. The first digital currency is PC optimum points. Fine. So Loblaws helped illegally fix the price of bread for years. The Competition Bureau is still investigating that, by the way. But we had to carry on. I had cheese. I had bread. So I needed some charcuterie meat to go along with it. But I was starting to get just a little suspicious. Okay, so, you know, I'm picking up a theme here that basically whatever I mention, there's going to be some kind of competition <laughs> issue to it. Is that right? So tell me about the meat. <laughs> Well, it's sort of my party trick, right? It's like Debbie Downer, but competition issues. Um, meat, do we know that there's a competition issue? So there's a class action lawsuit being led out of Quebec. This is not a competition bureau investigation, but it mirrors investigations that have been done in the US uh, with meat packers suggesting that due to concentration in that marketplace, they are artificially inflating the price of our meat. Okay, all right, let's get out of this section and head somewhere else. See if these competition issues still haunt us. In every aisle. In every aisle, that's right. And yep, in every aisle, anti-competitive behavior lurked. I went to go buy some tea. The top three shelves of these teas, which are eye level for me and you, yeah. are uh, President's Choice. President's Choice is owned by fill in the blank. Loblaws? Loblaws. Oh boy. So here's an example of a private label product receiving the best possible placement and certainly potentially unconsciously nudging or influencing you to gaze at these teas first when you make your decision. So oh, it's definitely not even unconscious. I mean, it's, it's like I have to look away to find the other thriller. teas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even the condiments weren't safe. Vass let me know about a memo that leaked from Loblaws years ago. They knew that French's was significantly outselling the PC brand, but that Heinz wasn't. So their rationale was they should actually eliminate French's from the shelves and not carry it all together because that would be a great decision for them, right? A good business decision for them. Limit consumer choice and nudge more people towards their catch-up. Again, from a business perspective, seems kind of smart and savvy. If you and I were ketchup barons, we might be supportive of this. Big data is cool. I've but... always aspired to be a ketchup baron. <laughs> but the worst anti-competitive behavior that Vast told me about during our grocery adventure had nothing to do with any of the products. It had to do with the people working at the store. You might remember that in the early days of the pandemic, the major grocery chains offered so-called hero pay. Hero pay was, I believe, $2 on top of the existing minimum wage as in recognition of the risk and stress and toll that this frontline work was taking for people at grocery stores, right? It was yeah. still it was one of the few places we went, if we went out at all, to go get food for our families. And it was very intriguing that Hero Pay ended at the exact same time. Why would that happen? There was a parliamentary investigation into this where, thank you so much, where the grocery stores admitted that they did speak to each other and they had a courtesy email, but no, they didn't collude to end wages together. But Parliament did think it was a big enough concern to change the laws. Wage fixing is now a criminal activity in Canada. It wasn't before, though. We were actually, the law was silent on it. You could fix wages. You know, vast shopping with you is maybe it, sometimes <laughs> a little too educational. 
After grabbing a few more things, we decided to make our way to the checkout. What do we have here? We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different things. What do you think this is gonna come to? 40 bucks? Am I being optimistic here? I was indeed being optimistic. I, I think two bags, probably. Uh, it'll be on credit. What was the actual retail price? Okay, we hit to 56.39. I think I get all the snacks. <laughs> I mean, you all knew how that was gonna go. After all, you've been grocery shopping. You've seen your bills climb and climb in recent months. Right now, the big discussion in Canada, economically, is all about inflation. Yeah. Um, you know, does that have anything to do with competition? Does that have anything to do with these, these massive grocery conglomerates that operate in this country? I think it is a super important conversation, and I think it does. The literature on that relationship is murky, but more and more, as people become more price conscious, they're more curious about why something costs a particular amount. And when you have your favorite items, you're more likely to notice that the price went up. So back to why do we care about competition at all? We care about competition because we want innovation, quality, and choice. And when people are constrained on choice, prices can go up and it's just not great. I knew that before I returned to finish our game of Monopoly, I had to get more information. Sure, a lot of the products in the grocery store are more expensive because of corporate concentration. But what about the grocery stores themselves? Were they acting like a cartel and forcing up inflation? I decided to call up another friend of mine. I'm uh, Marco Chaunovic, and I was an investigative reporter for the Toronto Star. Marco has since transitioned into being a climate reporter for the Star. But his last investigation looked at exactly the question I wanted answered. Did the big grocery chains work together to profit from inflation? Now, the first thing to understand is exactly how concentrated the grocery industry is. Sure, you have your small corner grocers, but they make up a small fraction of total sales. Groceries is a land of giants. There really are only three supermarkets in Canada. They make up about two-thirds of the entire industry. So, you know, one-third are like, you know, some internationals, Walmart and stuff like that that come in. But the, the big players are Loblaw. Empire and Metro, and pretty much any supermarket brand you can think of, whether it's No Frills or Sobeys, Foodland, IGA, Farm Boy, Food Basics, it's all those three companies. So 60 cents of every dollar spent on groceries in Canada goes to one of those three. It was our recent inflationary spike that got Marco interested in this world. Well, this one, I think, really came from me being annoyed with the way that we talk about inflation and the way it is discussed in the media and the way that everyone just kind of walks around being like, oh, inflation, there's nothing we can do about it. It's this magical force. It's like, you know, you go to sleep at night and while you're sleeping, there's this magic hand that comes and all the prices go up. And when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, the prices are higher. What happened? And that's just, just really not the way things work, right? Like inflation is thousands of people around the country who raise prices. They make a decision. They go into the office and they raise prices. Now I can hear what the skeptical listener would say. The prices for everything are going up. That's why grocery stores and everyone else are forced to raise them too. But just logically speaking, if 
prices are going up only as much as they have to. Like, oh, we just, we're forced to, we're forced to raise prices. Then the profits margins should stay the same. Like you're just marking up the same amount. That's not what Marco found. First off, during the pandemic, grocery stores were one of the few industries that won big. Sure, they did have increased costs, thanks to higher wages, more cleaning, and other expenses. But of course, when there were lockdowns, grocery stores were one of the few businesses allowed to remain open. And so when everyone else was like sitting at home, getting their serb, and hoping for things to open up again. The grocery stores were just cha-ching, cha-ching every day, boom, boom, boom. And so you can see that in the numbers. I mean, in the first six months of the pandemic, the three majors made an extra $4 billion in sales vis-a-vis the year before, like $4 billion in extra on top of what they normally sell. And so that original sales bump was, of course, tempered by all these extra costs. But as the pandemic wore on, you know, all of a sudden, oh, remember that $2 pay bump that everyone got? It's gone. So there, that's a lot of savings, you know? And then all of a sudden, the, um, the amount of people they were allowed in the store, well, they'll just open the doors, everyone can go in again. And so all these extra costs started subsiding. All right, fine. The grocery chains did great during the pandemic. They were providing an essential service after all. Good for them, right? But what Marco really wanted to know is how are they doing today? at a time when so many people are struggling to even put food on the table. To figure that out, Marco dived into the numbers. And I was like, what is the purest number, purest measure of whether they're raising their prices more than they have to? And it's called gross profit, gross profit margin. And today, the grocery stores are making more in gross profit than they were before the pandemic and before inflation really hit. And this is what's incredible. As we know that grocery prices were going up, 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 right? Grocery prices are rising faster than just about everything else in the economy. The only thing that's going up faster than groceries is oil. But, you know, everything else isn't going up as fast as groceries. And when you look at that, you're like, wow, they're really being forced to raise their prices. If they were being forced to raise their prices, then that margin wouldn't be moving much. But it's going up for across all three. And so, yes, the prices have gone up, but so have their profits. In short, the grocery chains have been taking advantage of the inflationary environment to further increase their profits. And of course, these massive companies have been speaking out of both sides of their mouths. Because when they're talking to their shareholders, their owners, they really want to emphasize, we're making shitloads of money, you should buy our stock. But when they're talking to the public who's like complaining that their grocery bill's gone up by 80%, they're going, we're doing everything we can to keep these prices low. In fact, we're not even passing along our price increases. We're taking a cut. We're taking a hit for you, our customers. We're doing everything we can. And so clearly not both can be true at the same time. I'm sure there are some free marketers in the audience wondering why one of these chains doesn't just cut their prices, gain more market share, and wallop the competition. And that's really where the corporate concentration comes in. Remember, three companies control 60% of the market. They have more to gain by working together than they do by competing. There are a few options for people to turn to. Like, let's say you live in a downtown center where you might actually have multiple grocery stores, like within a workable distance from your house, whether it's, you know, walking, biking, driving, subway, what have you. 
most people aren't actually in that situation, right? Most people in Canada, they got one grocery store that's like an actual realistic option for them and they go to it. There are so few independent grocers anymore that even an independent grocer who's going to try and like undercut the biggies, it's very difficult for them to compete just on simple economies of scale. And that, that market concentration, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're unable to lower their prices, but what it does mean is it changes the power dynamic, right? Rather than a supplier saying to Loblaws, this is how much we're selling you our products for, and then Loblaws has to eat that and figure out how much they're marking it up. The power differential is the other way around. If you're a supplier of a product and you don't get your product into Loblaws, you're screwed. That's like, so in other words, Loblaws says, mm, we're going to pay this for your product and then you have to eat it. And so I think that the traditional dynamics of like who's calling the shots are totally upended when you have this much concentration at the retail level. Right now, the, it's clear that we have this sort of de facto oligopoly that all seems to be raising prices at the same time and all seems to be raising uh, profits at the same time. And we do have to wonder whether that's like a situation we want to live with. Thanks to Vass and Marco, I learned the hard truth. I can't escape the monopolies even when I'm just trying to buy some snacks. They're all around me, and they're all around you. And this season, we will be bringing you so many episodes about all the industries that are plagued by corporate concentration. The telecoms, obviously. The dairy industry, for sure. But also movies and music, dentists and veterinarians. We'll tell you about how private equity firms are secretly rolling up entire sectors of the economy, how big tech is using their power to try to reshape how we live, and how monopolies are built into the very fabric of this country from the start. But first, we need to get back to the real story, the one you've all been waiting to find out the end of. Who won our game of Westonopoly? And I'm very pleased to say that there, I was the ultimate monopolist. I'm out, y'all. <laughs> I'm out. Oh, no. It's All over right. for me. I've never felt so alive before. <laughs> <laughs> this was brutal and brought out the worst in all of us. So does, does that mean I win the game? Yeah, that means you win the game. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, it does mean you win the game, Mr. Arshi. Yes, it does. <laughs> I fucking hate this game. <laughs> That's your episode of Commons. This is our first episode in our new series, Monopoly. We have so much more in store for you, including weekly podcasts. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. This episode relied on work done by Vast Bednar and Marco Chown Ovid of the Toronto Star. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at CommonsPod. You can also email me, arshi at canadaland.com. This episode was produced by me and Jordan Cornish with additional production by Noor Azria. Our production coordinator is Andre Pruhl. And our music is by Nathan Burley. You can listen to Commons ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. 
If you value this podcast, please support us. We rely on listeners like you paying for journalism. And as a supporter, you'll get premium access to all our shows ad-free, including early releases and bonus content. And you'll get our exclusive newsletter, discounts on CanadaLand merch, invites and tickets to our live and virtual events. And more than anything, you'll be a part of the solution to Canada's journalism crisis, and you'll be keeping our work free and accessible to everybody. Come join us now. Click the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join.